0: Principal Matters Podcast, episode 317. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the School Leaders Podcast, where each week we bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I'm back with my co host, Jen. Jen Schwanke, Deputy Superintendent at Dublin Schools in Dublin, Ohio, and the author of three great books. Jen Schwanke, welcome back to Principal Matters. This week, we're going to be talking a little bit about, you know, it's October, and in October, sometimes students don't always behave like they should. We're going to talk about student discipline today, Jen Schwanke. But before we do, how are you? And I hope things are going well with you and your family. Anything new going on with Jen Schwanke?
1: No, nothing really new. Um, It is a beautiful time of year, my very favorite time of year. We have the pumpkins out and the mums out and the air is getting crisp and cool. So that's really fun. But to your point, it is the time of year where, um, as one principal said to me, yesterday, the honeymoon's over. The, um, the discipline is, is getting a little bit more interesting these days. So I thought it was a I I'm glad that you and I have time to talk about discipline today. I think maybe our listeners will benefit from a little boost in this area.
0: I think we will. Now, let me just say something to listeners because every, every once in a while, our world, our worlds collide. And, um, you know, Jen, you and I have been talking, gosh, we've been talking about leadership for a long, long time now. I know. And I was in I was in Brazos Port um, Independent School District, Texas, just a few days ago, and um, ran into some listeners as I was working with principals there. And I was talking to a friend of mine, um, Danny Massey, who's the superintendent there. And I was telling him about the work you and I were doing together. And I was telling him that in February of 2023, the principals associations that I work with here, the Oklahoma Association of Secondary School Principals and Middle Level Education Association is hosting a conference and has invited you and another friend of ours, Dr. Don Parker, to keynote at that event. And I was telling him, I'm so excited that February 8th, the night that Jen Schwanke's coming to Oklahoma because, <laughs> because I said, because this will actually be the first time Jen and I have been in a place <laughs> in person. And he said, you guys have never met each other in person. I
1: know, and I, I said,
0: know. I said, you know, we have it. It is so weird <laughs> because we've been doing this, these conversations for so long. So Principal Matters listeners, if you live in Oklahoma, you're going to want to go onto um, the website of. COSA, C-C-O-S-A dot O-R-G and look for professional development and sign up for that conference. And if you're outside of Oklahoma and you want to come on in to Oklahoma, you better sign up fast because I tell you that room's going to be full of Oklahomans excited to meet Jen Schwanke, and Dr. Don Parker, but Jen, um, I'm so excited to have you. Well, and it is, state.
1: it is true. I think people, people say to me all the time, you know, where do you record? I, you, you know, you're in Ohio and he's in Oklahoma. <laughs> I think people think we meet in Tennessee or something and, and, you know, have a conversation, but no, we've spent a lot of time on zoom calls together. So we, I, I feel like, you know, it's a, it's an old friendship here, but yes, we've never actually shaken hands. So that will happen in February. And, be. and, yeah.
0: and I've become good friends with Dr. Don Parker too. He's the author of a book on building bridges, working with at-risk students. He's such a great presenter on on, uh, on building great relationships and culture. And I've not met Don in person either. And I feel like we're just such a dear friend. So really? I'm looking forward to you two meeting because I'm going to tell you uh, the energy that you bring to a room and that he brings to a room. I, I'm, I already drink coffee, but it's going to be like, it's going <laughs> to be like, it's going to be like I had four cups that day when, when I get in a room with the two of you together oh, too. Funny. Well, Jen. This is, um, I, I want to set perspective, okay? Um, when I was a high school English teacher, um, my first eight years, I taught predominantly ninth graders, okay? And anyone out there that's ever taught ninth graders, you are like collectively feeling anxiety with me at, at this moment. And I remember I would come home from work and I would tell my wife, um, oh my gosh, these ninth graders, I'm. it's taking me so long to teach them like processes and just like how to treat each other with respect and all these. And so, you know, about you five, your six, you're seven. So finally, it's finally one year. She just stops me and says, "Will, you've been saying this every <laughs> year for seven years. And here's what happens every single year. You have to read. You have to teach this whole new set of kids, all these things. And then something like about like January comes and suddenly you like start loving them and they're such great kids and they've all matured she's like i've heard this now for 7 years i think you're going to be okay right and it was so funny because no one had ever like held the mirror up to me and re- and just kind of let me know that you know this this whatever you're facing right now out there principal managers listeners it it may it, it may be overwhelming it may be difficult with student discipline but i'm going to guess it's a cycle in a season that you're going through too, just like we've all gone through. So I'm not saying that in any way to, to minimize the difficulties of discipline, because I've also talked to principals who've said, man, well, I've seen behaviors out of these kids that I've never seen before. Like development developmentally, they seem so far delayed. And so that's a reality too. But I want to just start here this week and talk about some of the Some of the difficulties of discipline, some of the things that principals can be thinking about when it comes to managing this really difficult situation, because you and I both know how quickly schools can get derailed from these situations and how much time we can spend on them when we really want to be doing other things than just discipline. So, Jen, where would you like to start when you giving feedback to principals and keeping some just practical ideas in mind for disciplining with dignity?
1: Well, I first want to capitalize on what the story you told about teaching ninth graders. I think it's very helpful for us to take very loose anecdotal data for ourselves on discipline. And by that, I mean, on a calendar or, you know, on a sticky note, who cares, just to make some marks on when you see peaks and valleys with discipline referrals. Um, You know, we can look back at our discipline reporting systems and gather data that way. But if you if you just keep track in a way that you can can look you know, closely and if you do see a spike at, in mid October, and then you see a little bit of an ebb in mid November, and then it spikes again right before break, you know, whatever the pattern is for your students in your school that's very telling. And you can start to be proactive instead of reactive, we don't necessarily have to accept cycles the way they are, we can look for ways to disrupt them. and. So then I, I started thinking recently about, you know, the idea of PBIS and many of our schools have PBIS either as a school-wide approach or as a classroom approach. And I just want to tell a quick story here. I'm lucky enough to teach a graduate class for aspiring principals. And just as an experiment, a couple of weeks ago, I said to them, how many of you know what PBIS is? 30 hands went up. I said, how many of you can tell me right now what it means? about half the hands kind of, you know, that when they kind of go down, like, don't call on me, don't call on me. And then I said, well, I'm going to ask you, I want you to tell me what it means. And so I started calling on people and I got a different definition of PBIS from every single person. Mm -hmm. What that tells me is we all know that positive behavior interventions are, are helpful, but we don't necessarily know what that means. And in many cases, I find that people want PBIS as their guiding principle, but they want someone else to own it or um, understand it for them. Uh-huh. Not in all cases, not in all cases, but what I'm, the reason I bring that up is I think there's, there's some folks out there who still wanna go back to the old fashioned way of, of disciplining students. And there's some students who really want to evolve using a positive approach. And there's some people who, who know and understand inherently that discipline means to teach, right? We want to teach students to, to offer a different behavior to get a different outcome. And all of that is just good to keep in mind, especially for principals who are struggling with an internal staff culture in which the staff wants a different discipline approach than the principal can or is willing to, to implement. It's a lot there that I just said, but I think those are all conceptual understandings for principals to consider when they're feeling down, downtrodden about discipline.
0: Well, and let's stay there for a few minutes, too, because I want to talk about some of those, um, you know, whether it's from the directly from the PBIS model, Jen, or some of the, the general conceptions from that model that I think are really helpful for, for all principles. Because there are some listeners that may not have used the PBIS model and others who have. Um, I was having a conversation a few days. I've had this conversation more than once, actually, in the last week or so about policy. -hmm. And um, about well, what is the best policy for Mm -hmm. this particular situation? And what I find myself saying to leaders is, policies are important, but policies are only as good as the people who administer them. And so, so, so you can have uh, you can have leaders who have the same general conceptions in front of them, or ideas of how things should be managed and worked. But at the end of the day, it's your individual. Um, I'm trying to think of a concise way to say this, Jen. Your own attitude, and your own perspective, and your own um, acceptance, and your own ability to differentiate—all those things are going to really matter on how you in- actually implement right. those things. So, so I want to do—I want to really take two sides to this conversation. One is what are some of the general processes and conceptions that we should consider stepping in, and then two, we might need to address our heart attitudes as right. we're actually administering them. So let's, let's take that one side first, which is what are some of those general conceptions that we should have in mind when we're setting up our processes and policies about discipline?
1: Yeah, I, I think we always need to keep the student's perspective in mind when we develop policies. Many schools, if not all, have have policies in place. Some of them are, have aged out and need to be revisited. Mm -hmm. Um, and then policy, you know, policy rarely will give you a hard line on what to do with discipline. The school handbook will often, and not necessarily at elementary, most schools, their elementary handbook is a little, um, vague in terms of discipline, because so much of, of discipline at elementary is, is workable through a conversation. Not always, but sometimes. And then at middle school, it gets a little bit more concise. And then in high school, usually it's very clear, um, uh, you know, a discipline ladder. And so the handbook is typically adopted and therefore is policy, but you won't find a standard policy um, that, that relates, a be- that connects a behavior to an outcome. So that's where administrators sometimes start to feel a little bit uncertain because they want an if and a then they want. If this happens, then this, well, anybody who's ever investigated a discipline situation knows that it's all subjective. It's all opinion. You know, you get statements, you get witnesses, you think you've got a clear situation. And then here comes somebody who says, wait, that's not what happened. And so at the end of the day, you have to make a decision about what the consequence is going to be or what the outcome is going to be. Then principals, you're all going to feel me here. You look around and you think I did such a good job investigating that we came to a good outcome. Then I communicated it. Now everybody, Everybody's mad at me. <laughs> Everybody, the students mad at me, the students, parents are mad at me and the teachers are mad at me because they all think I did it wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's where the despair comes. That's where a principal could spend, you know, literally eight hours, 16 hours mm-hmm. on investigating a, a, a fight, for example.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: in the end, you're the one everybody's mad at. And you're like, I didn't swing it and try and hit anybody what's going on here. And that's, that's where I think the mindset has to, we have to work on our own mindsets and understand that, Following policy, following the handbook, going for an fair and equitable outcome and advocating for the student. That doesn't mean getting the student out of trouble, but advocating for how to teach the student a different behavior. That has to be enough at the end of the day.
0: Jen, I don't even know if I should share stories, but I'm oh going to share boy, one anyway. Go. Yes, they're you are <laughs> so pain. Some of these are painful memories, but right. but I remember uh it is hard. And I, I just want to tell this story to give principals some sense of um recognition that you're in the in the room with friends. Um, but uh, quick story. One time I was standing in the Commons area at one of the high schools that I served, and I had already received some information in advance that there was some some girl students who were upset with each other, and I um, and I knew who these students were, and I walked into um, the middle of the Commons when these two crowds of kids were moving towards each other. And so I very seldom does this has happened, where you have a front row seat for a student <laughs> altercation. But <laughs> I had a but I had a front row seat for the student altercation, which started off with two girls, and then one of the girls' sisters jumped in to try to break up the fight. And so then I had to jump in to try to separate everyone. And then, of course, do the principal thing, which is all right. Now we're moving to offices. Now I'm getting statements. Now right. I'm calling parents. Now I'm putting that they're all in separate rooms. And now, and so I can, I, I'll, the part that I remember the most was when the father showed up of one of the girls and I explained to him what had happened. And he just could not believe in this situation, because really there were, there were two girls that were going to be disciplined. The third girl who had jumped in to try to break it up, he was upset that she wasn't also receiving discipline because he thought that this was a, a, a three-person altercation. And no matter how much I tried to explain to him that, you know, how, how this situation was being handled, he just was so angry. And finally, I just had to be really frank and say, Mr., you know, fill the name in. I, in a lot of fights and situations, it takes me hours and hours and hours to look at tape and to talk to witnesses, people. But on this one, I was standing right there. <laughs> when it happened. Right. And, and, and finally, this is the part where the relationship with students matters. Finally, the student herself, whose father uh, was really upset, yeah. stepped up and said, Dad, <laughs> Dad, Mr. Parker is just doing his job and he's being honest. Right. You know, you're, you're just going to have to accept that he was there and you weren't.
1: Right. Well, good she, started the, she started, she started defending her. me.
0: I couldn't believe it. And so it was one of those situations where um, there's so many layers to that conversation where number one, I had to still do all, every single step that it takes to make sure everything was being followed correctly and two, communicate the hard things to parents that they don't always like to know. But right. in the third part, build relationships with kids. Sometimes they backfire on you, but in this case, it, it did not. But Jen it's never easy. it's no. it's never easy and 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 I've you know, yeah. It's, it's yeah. just yeah.
1: Well, and you, you touched on one of the things that I think a lot of principals struggle with is that parent conversation. Mm-hmm. We're all very comfortable working with students. We can look at film. We can, we can put together statements and we can come to an outcome that feels right. And then we have to call the parent. Mm-hmm. I remember in my office, when I was in a middle school assistant, looking at the phone, just looking at it, thinking I I'm going to pick up that thing up and I'm going to get screamed at. And mm-hmm. again, I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm trying to make this uh- a learning experience. I'm trying to please everyone involved and I'm going to be the one that's going to get cursed at. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that just feels so gross. It feels like you, what, what am I doing? Um, what's interesting though, is, is the, in the story you told with that student standing up and saying, Hey, wait a minute. I do think that's those moments happen sometimes too. the student will go home and, and will say to the parent, Hey, listen, I, I did it. Um, not often, not, or what, well, sometimes Mm -hmm. it it depends Mm -hmm. on the situation, but for principals to investigate a discipline situation and hope to get validation or consensus from everyone is just not going to happen. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get this situation since you used a fight as an example, you know, we hear from parents all the time. I encourage my son to, to hit somebody if they're giving him trouble. Mm-hmm. I encourage that. And, you know, it's, it's perfectly okay for principals to say, it's just not acceptable here. And right. that sort of training has to come from the school. If, if we're not going to get it from the home, it has to be a hard line. We don't assault here. We don't hurt others here. And it, it's never going to end well, if we allow parents to dictate how students are going to behave in school.
0: Well, I, I want to stay here for just a moment, a little bit longer, Jen. In a previous episode that um, was recorded before ours, so Principal Matters listeners may go back and listen to 315, 316, I, I, Jimmy Casas uh, is gonna, is a guest on those shows. And, and one of the pieces that we talked about in that conversation I want to bring into this conversation was... The importance of investing in your systems and your people right, right, to try to limit the number of fires, because he said, think about these three areas, Will, that principles focus on so much, your systems, your people, and your fires. And usually those are flipped. We spend more time on the fires than we do the systems and people. And so- I, I, and Jen, I know that there's probably someone listening right now thinking, boy, don't you two have a lot of wisdom and you're not even, stand, <laughs> you know, all you're right. standing outside this fire now and you're giving us all this instruction on how to fight the fire. And you're right. I don't have on that fire suit right now, holding the hose like you do principals that are listening to this right now. But I did for a long time. I, I, I wore that suit and held that hose for a very, very long time. And so, so for what it's worth, um, Jen, I, I want to just say a few things about systems and expectations. And then um, and then feel free to add to that before I talk a little bit more about, about the, the heart and attitude with these. And so thing one I wanna say is that um, every school, every principal needs to create systems that are based on high expectations. So first of all, no matter what you're communicating in your handbook or with your kids or with your community or with your parents, with your teachers, is that here is the ideal expectations that we have for behavior in the school. And that has to be something that's not said once. It has to be demonstrated, communicated, and modeled by you for the people that you're leading every single day. This is how we talk to one another. This is how, these are the expectations and I'm number one, going to be modeling those expectations myself. Number two, that we manage consequences that actually fit the infractions. And so, um, this is another Jimmy Costas thing is that there's levels of ways you should be responding emotionally to situations and a, a situation where kids are in danger. That's that's a high level A fight, uh, the threat on campus danger. Those that's a, that's a level nine or 10. That's a big, that's a big deal. You should respond quickly and seriously to that kids forgetting to bring a writing utensil to class. Somebody showing up late. Maybe somebody says um, in a burst of anger says something mean and needs to be corrected. That's not a level 10. And so we need to make sure that the consequences and our emotions match as closely as we can the kinds of infractions that we're dealing with. Number three, I would say, is just the commitment to consistency. So if you do have consequences and infractions that you've decided on the front end are going to be that you're you're consistent with how you manage those and correct them. So I'm just going to speak to secondary principles. For instance, if you've got dress codes, um, and, and, and you expect people to follow them, then you've got to consistently enforce them or they just won't ever be followed because kids will do what they're allowed to do as long as if, if you keep moving the boundaries. And the fourth thing I'll say is, and we're going to talk about this in just a little bit, I think is that the importance of differentiation in your discipline, just like you do in your instruction. There's going to be times where you're going to be needing to find a variety of options. It doesn't mean you don't discipline. It just means there's going to be a variety of options of discipline sometimes being considered depending on the kid and the place and the time, and then the last thing I'll say, Jen, is um, is um, in all of that is, is part of the process too is is specificity and documentation, making sure that whatever you're doing is that you're clear but you also have a good track record of what you're doing so that you can over time be able to monitor the behavior of students because there is a time where sometimes you have to pull the data back out and take a look at it and say what are some of the trends that are happening in our school or what are some of the kids who are trending in the school that might need a tier 1 or a tier 2 or a tier 3 intervention too so i'm starting to get so global there but i just sometimes i feel that it's really important to kind of hit those general areas when I'm talking about discipline with people, because we can get so bogged down in the incident that happened.
1: Right. Right. And to your point about us not being in there with a fire suit on, I think that clarity comes when you take the suit off Mm. and one thing that I encourage principals to do when I talk to them about this, um, I was working with a group in, in the Southern part of the United States recently, and they were really struggling with their school. Um, a couple schools have a culture in which any discipline is simply sent to the office. And mm-hmm. I, I said, "You okay, that has to change. Now it's not going to change tomorrow. And it ju- doesn't change by you saying, Hey, you can't send kids to the office anymore. That's not it. Mm-hmm. But what is the number one most impactful person on a on a student it's the teacher yep and the minute that a teacher says hey go to the office they're saying, this is bigger than me. I I can't or shouldn't handle this. Now, sometimes that is true. There are certain times that this is beyond the teacher's scope, but for many infractions that are sent to the office, that should be handled by the, the teacher. Why? Not, not because the principal's too busy, but because the teacher is the best person. Mm-hmm. A teacher is not threatening to a child or a, or a parent. If a parent gets a phone call from a teacher, it's, it's a lot more likely to go well than if the principal calls. And so that is a culture shift and it takes time and it takes many, many, many conversations to say to a teacher, to empower the teacher. It, it shouldn't be a conversation of, Hey, I'm too busy at the principal's office to handle this stuff. It should be, Hey, you're the one, you're the one the student likes. You're the one that the parent trusts. Mm-hmm. So what can we do that, that can make sure this infraction is handled there. I'll help you. I will role play the phone call with you. I will provide insight, but let's let you handle this Be- because the alternative isn't great, you know, to send it to the office for the principal to investigate isn't great. And it takes the principal away from the work of instructional leadership or facility management, that sort of thing. So I think you're you're right. And your conversation with Jimmy will probably reinforce this multiple times. It's the systems that have to change in a lot of ways for discipline to evolve. And I I, I also wanted to talk just briefly. Sorry, you took an intake of breath, Will. You wanna wanna say something? Because I have keep another going. idea. Keep okay. Going so you you also referenced you know things that seem big things that feel big the emotions that are involved a tool that i learned probably 10 years ago and i shared i shared it with that group in in the south that i told you about i said you need to start talking about the 10 10 10 rule both for your students and for yourselves so the 10 10 10 rule is when you ask yourself is this going to matter in 10 minutes 10 days 10 years and for the student, the answer is going to be different from the adult. So if it's a student who had it some sort of an infraction, you can say, okay, when I think about consequences, is this going to matter in 10 minutes? Maybe. Yes. Okay. What is my response then? Is this going to matter in 10 days? It's probably going to be something people have forgotten. And then in 10 years, is it going to matter? Some things they do like a bad fight, a student is going to still feel that, know it, remember it, talk Mm -hmm. about it in 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that can help frame your response because you'll want to think about how in reflection, 10 minutes, 10 days, or 10 years from now, how in reflection that's going to feel to that child. Then you do the exact same thing to yourself. Am I even gonna be thinking about this in 10 minutes or is it so small that I can quickly deal with it, move on? What about 10 days? Am I still gonna be meeting with an attorney and a parent and so on in 10 days and then in 10 years? For me, the 10 years is always a no. I'm still not going to be thinking about this in 10 years, which just helps me get get my mind right, you know? It helps me mm-hmm. think, okay, this is part of my work, but it's not going to define who I am. So I find it it helpful to run through the 10, 10, 10 process with myself and with the students.
0: I really, really like that. And Jen, as we wrap up this part of the conversation, I I, I can I remember there was a there was a episode that we did. It may have been a year or two years ago. And we talked about discipline then. So, right. for those of you that right. are longtime yeah. listeners, you may be recognizing. Like, I think you guys may have talked about some of these things before, but, but we wanted to bring this back because this is, these are conversations principles have consistently. But I remember um, there was a someone who had listened to the show and they'd sent me an email afterwards and they were they they were really disappointed that we didn't spend more time talking about restorative practices.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember and, um, that.
0: Yeah, and so I, I want to just sit there for just a moment because here's. I don't want to pretend for a second like I'm an expert in restorative practices, but I do want to say this that um because I want to talk about the heart of discipline. You know, I I I think I can't think of a better analogy. I use this all the time when I'm teaching. So forgive me if you've heard this a million times, principal managers listeners, but I really like to think about the 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 picture of the left brain, right brain learning model. Mm-hmm. That on the left side of my brain, there's typically the stimulation happens when I'm doing processes and systems and numbers and spreadsheets, because that's the part of your brain that's most um, that's most involved in those kinds of that kind of work. And then the right side of your brain is most stimulated when you're doing creative things, singing and dancing and love and art and all those kinds of things too. And that's a very simplified. Uh, explanation of the brain by the way which my daughter who is now (laughs) a psychology graduate told me dad that's a really simplified version of the brain description that's really kind of outdated and i so i understand those science those science listeners out there that i'm not that i'm stereotyping and generalizing but i'm doing it for a reason here's the reason every great teacher i've ever worked with uses both sides of their brain they they have strong processes and systems and they're very creative and passionate in the way that they teach because they do both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Discipline is not any different. We have to have strong processes and systems in place. But in order for restorative practices to work, those systems have to be in place so that you have the structure in which to then differentiate and work on the heart of kids in terms of reconciliation or recognizing the need to be rebuild trust or the the importance of negotiating conversations or facilitating a conversation between a a student and a kid who may be really upset with each other. All of those things take time and effort, and it's different depending on the kid and the teacher. So uh, there's no way to really quickly explain how to do those things and how to build good relationships with people. But it is an important part of discipline which is recognizing that at the end of the day, we want our students to recognize that their behavior affects not just themselves, but everyone around them. And recognizing that in some situations you have an opportunity with a child to lead them to that next level. Sometimes they simply need to be removed from others until they can be self-controlled enough so that the environment around everyone else is conducive for learning. And Jen, there's just no quick, there's no quick explanation on how that's going to look in every scenario. But having strong systems and processes in place give you the structure to learn how to do that. And I, I don't know if you want to add to that conversation, but I just think it's an important reminder to leaders that we help students reach those um, places of, of new learning behaviors and new trust over time. Um, and, it's, and it's a little bit different for every kid.
1: It is and and that's differentiation that you've referenced a couple times and maybe we need to talk more about this because I think there's a, a lot here that we can help our listeners just think through. Again, you and I don't have the answers we're, we're not the experts on this. And to, to the point from the listener who wanted more on restorative practices, you and I just like discipline, you and I don't have all the answers. We're not going to please everyone with our conversations about discipline. I think we're just trying to throw out ideas and also throw out reinforcement that this is, is as complicated as it feels. Mm -hmm. And it is as hard as it feels to, to make, um, informed, helpful, restorative Mm trauma-based decisions about how we're going to respond to problematic behaviors. So, Um, Do I have more to add? Yeah, about 14 hours. How much time do you have? (laughs) (laughs) But I think we have to wrap up for today.
0: Well, Principal Matters listeners, I don't often promote um, all my resources on a show, but I'm going to just encourage you, if you've never picked up a copy of my first book, Principal Matters, The Motivation, Courage, Action, and Teamwork Needed for School Leaders, I have a very short chapter on disciplining with dignity. And I would just encourage you to grab the book if you get a chance and in, in that chapter, Jen, I, I wrap up with, with I'm going to read something I wrote as I wrapped up that chapter. And I said, um, um, I am honest with students. If they have violated my trust or the trust of their parents or teachers, they will only earn back that trust over time. And long-term patterns of doing what is right will earn trust back more than anything else. You should also try to let students know that you still like them and expect them to be successful even though you're holding them accountable and letting them suffer the consequences of actions, your end goal is to proudly watch them finish school or walk across their stage of graduation or know that they will have a great future. So I just think it's so important that we keep in mind as we're disciplining kids that what's happening in the moment is important, but what's gonna be happening outside that moment after it's all over is even as important as that is the moment.
1: Will, I'm so proud of you. You talked about one of your own books. I'm always trying to get you to do that. (laughs) Listeners, listeners, he's always helping me and promoting my work, but I always say to him, talk about yours too. This isn't fair. So I'm, I didn't even hear what you said after, after you mentioned "Principal Matters, the book, because I'm so proud of you. Listeners, seriously, pick up the book. It's, it's a wonderful resource for you.
0: Well, "Principal Matters (laughs) listeners, thank you for taking time to learn and listen this week. And Jen, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to jump into this conversation until next time. Thanks for doing what matters. see you next week. Bye everyone. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.